If you'd like to support the show in a way other than just listening, head on over to patreon.com forward slash The Flight Diary for more information. This episode of The Flight Diary is brought to you by Wander Disc Golf, a brand that's bred from passion for the sport and all of the beautiful places it can take us. Wander has a wide variety of thoughtful apparel rooted in disc golf and an advocacy for mental health. Find them at at WanderDiscGolf on Instagram and shop at WanderDiscGolf.com. You're listening to The Flight Diary, an intimate collection of stories, theories, and thoughts from the world of professional disc golf. I'm your host, Brian Earhart. Chandler Fry from Olympia, Washington is a touring professional disc golfer, one of the best push putters on the planet, and an all-around fantastic human being. I caught up with Chandler at the 2021 Disc Golf Pro Tour Championships in Charlotte to sit down on the mics and talk about where he comes from and what led him to become a professional disc golfer like he is today. Enjoy. Growing up, I was outside a lot with my family. Um, we did a lot of road trips, a lot of outdoor activities, and being in the woods is like one of the main things I remember. Mm-hmm. And uh, just the smell of pine trees, cedars, the rainforest, the constant rain. You is know? that what it's called? Is it called the rainforest in yeah. Washington? Yeah. Um, I live right on the edge of the Olympic rainforest, and so we're literally in a rainforest. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. I feel so ignorant to not know that. Not a lot of people do. Not a lot of people do. Yeah. So you were you literally grew up with within that. Yeah. Yeah. Just like a lot of, a lot of my friends now that I'm on the road, they see pictures of where I'm from and they're like it looks like Jurassic Park because we have like these giant ferns, these moss-covered trees and it's just absolutely beautiful. So then what do you most remember like from that experience when you were like a kid in Washington? I grew up in the Chicago suburbs, so this yeah. is like so foreign to me. Like <laughs> yeah. wh- what is that childhood like? Uh, it's it's a beautiful thing, you know. Like I I didn't ex- have your experience, so I, I definitely <laughs> lived in a, a moderately sized town. I was sixty miles south of Seattle, so I definitely got the big city experience. But um, it was just a lot of a lot of hiking, a lot of playing out outside, a lot of deer <laughs> running yeah. around. You know, it's just a oh I don't know what to say. Um, I mean, did sounds like you enjoyed it? Yeah, I I had a great time, and that's where disc golf came in. Yeah, honestly, yeah. So it, early. Yeah, well, when I was 13, honestly. But I like I played ultimate frisbee in high school and middle school before I was uh-huh. a disc golfer. But like yeah. the thing that I want to know about you as a kid because I again, I'm so <laughs> fascinated by athletes. Like when you become a professional athlete, there's the nature and there's the nurture and there's yeah. like you don't just wake up one day at like 20 and you're like, "Ah, oh, yes, I'm going to be <laughs> I mean, I guess in disc golf there are some people Some people but, have, yeah, but, for sure. What kind of kid were you in school? I was, um, I guess the term would be a music geek. Really? I, I was ah. in band. I was, uh, I, I played, I still sometimes do. I played percussion. I played the drums. Um, and that was my life. Mm-hmm. I was in like student orchestras. I was in high school. I was in all the choirs, men's choir, jazz choir, symphonic choir. I was really? in wind ensemble, jazz band. I did everything. I was the drum major my senior year. So that was my life. I went to college for music. Well, I had no I, I knew you were good at music. Yeah. I've heard your velvety voice before, but yeah. like so that was a big portion of your life. I mean, you that played was, disc golf, but like that was it. That was the majority of my life. Disc golf was kind of like a side activity that I did with my dad and brother. So was music in your family? Like did you have like yeah. a very musical family? My dad actually made Peruvian box drums, otherwise known as cajones. Um when I was a kid, um 
And yeah, we did drum circles. We had this thing in Olympia, Washington called the Procession of the Species, where everybody everybody dresses up in these animal outfits, and we do a procession down downtown's Main Street. What? And we just played. I, I played my like cajon, my uh, my djembe, my dumbaka. Yeah, it was. Uh, we just had a great time. And my dad, my dad is a musician to the max. He loves playing the drums. Yeah. Wow. So th- so that's another thing. I mean, you say you remember trees and you remember <laughs> yeah. like ferns, but that type of like sensory memory of sound was probably a pretty wild thing for you as well yeah coming up so Absolutely. your dad was a professional musician no he actually i don't think he's ever even taken a music theory class but like since i can remember as as being alive um he always had drums wow. in the house and we always played music together so then yeah. Naturally, you go into that in school, and then yeah, I went to college for it, and I quickly realized that I hated like the music theory aspect of it, or like the professional aspect of it. I just wanted it to be a passion. I just wanted to have fun with it. I didn't want to have to make it a job. I didn't want to have to uh-huh. make it a career. It sounds competitive, right? Is isn't that like a thing in the music world? Yeah, I was going for like a percussion performance degree, and uh-huh. like really, the only things you can do is are teach. Um, middle school, high school, um, or do private lessons. Unless uh-huh. you're like a really talented musician, then you go into like the studio recording and all that. And I just, I wasn't feeling that. I wow. just wanted to play and have fun and not be yelled at when I missed a triangle hit in <laughs> the middle of Beethoven's fifth or something, you know, <laughs> I was just kind of over it. Cause like, it is a very stressful environment to be in the, in like wind ensemble in, at, in university. I bet. I, I've actually, yeah. I knew a couple of music students when I went to college and it's the same thing. It's like, yeah. you you wonder, does anyone like being in music school? Like, it sounds really yeah. stressful. I mean, there's great moments and like, I still have a lot of friends from that part of my life that yeah. I, I enjoy hanging out with. But I think a majority of it is incredibly stressful. And mm-hmm. for me, at least, it just wasn't fun. Uh-huh. I didn't enjoy it at all. Did you play <laughs> Did you play in a lot, like, like bands or anything when you were younger? Like, did you have any, like, live music experience before you went into college? Yeah, I tried a couple student bands. Um, it wasn't really my style either. I, I'm not, I, I, I just, oh, what should I say? You're kind of a noodler, right? Kind of a noodler? Yeah, you, yeah. like I'm saying, like, you... <laughs> I've noticed that you like see an instrument and you're like, oh, what's this? Yeah. I just kind of like dabbling in things, and I'm 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 fairly talented. I have I have really good rhythm, but yeah, I just I just didn't want to. Never was your thing. Yeah. Well, I guess we can back up then because there's definitely crossover there. Because mm-hmm. I looked at your PDGA stats, and you have a much different disc golf experience than <laughs> I, I do. I think we've been probably playing for the same amount of time. I've been playing for about 18 years. Same. Yeah, yeah. So we've been playing about yeah. the same, but I looked at your PDGA and you've been playing tournaments way longer than me. I had played without a PDGA membership for a while. Yeah. And you started in 04. So mm-hmm. how old were you? You're 30. I'm 31. 31. So I'm 30. Yeah. So you were like, what, 13? I was 13 when I first started playing disc golf. So you started PDGA right away? Yeah. How did that come about? How did disc golf come about? Yeah. My, uh, my dad and I have always done things together, whether it's like bike, uh, cycling or just hanging out, playing music. And uh, we we're just kind of hanging out in the front yard one day and we saw some guys throwing some ultimate frisbees at like trash cans and uh, light poles. Object and golf? Yeah. And we asked them what they're doing and they're like, we're playing object golf. And we got kind of interested, looked up object golf. And through that, we found disc golf and uh, we found what we thought was the closest course an hour and a half away in Oregon, Milo MacGyver, which is now the site of the famous... That was your first course? Yeah, Beaver State Fling. And so we went and bought some Ultimate Frisbees, thinking that that's what you used. Uh-huh. And that's definitely not. It's probably horrible. 
Yeah, uh, and we well, played we played Milo MacGyver, which at the time in 2003 was probably like the longest course on the West Coast. Yeah, I'm so hard. Yeah, I, I can't remember what I shot, but it must have been like 90 over par. Because that course hasn't really changed that much, has it? I think it still had that 1,200 foot par five hole, 11 wow. or 12 or whatever. Yeah, and so we played that, and then uh, we finished the round, and we were jazzed. Like both my dad and I <laughs> That's were like, awesome. That was awesome, and my brother was involved as well. And uh, my mom was walking with us. I don't think she played, though. But we found a local shop in Estacada, Oregon. Um, bought some discs. My first disc was a Discraft Wildcat. Yes. An Elite X Wildcat, I believe. And uh, we got those discs, went back and played another round the same day. And uh, from that moment on, I was just like, can we go disc golfing? Can we go disc golfing? And my dad was the same way. He's like, let's go disc golfing. Let's Whoa. go disc golfing. And yeah, it just grew from there. Was that your first sport? Did you? Uh, yeah, did... I mean, it's the first sport that I really cared about. Uh-huh. I played soccer. I played uh, like the little league sports, ultimate frisbee, but I just never truly enjoyed as much as disc golf. I see. So you played some ultimate before you got into disc golf. Yeah, my brother was actually the president of the ultimate frisbee club at my high school, and then once he left, I kind of took the helm. I never was officially it was never officially a club when I was a part of uh-huh. it. But we played ultimate frisbee all the time, and like, okay. during lunch. So you just... weren't bad when you first went out to Milo. You knew I knew what... how to throw a fr- fr- throw a frisbee. Okay. Yeah. Right on. Yeah, I can hawk it. After, <laughs> after begr- like getting through Milo McIver with an ultimate disc, which is an incredible task. For a 14, 13-year-old. Yeah. 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 You joined the PDGA, and you're hooked on disc golf instantly. Mm-hmm. How many kids were playing in your area? I'm um, always curious about this, because mine didn't have that many. There weren't many. Like, compared to nowadays, like, yeah. just 16-year-olds. I, yeah, it's crazy. But back then... um, <laughs> There was a couple kids, like, I'll give a shout out to James Moore um, in Oregon, who's a fantastic player, still is. Uh, there's, like, people, Colin Sexton, Dion Arlen, which were, like, close to my age, but a little older. But as far as, like, 15-year-olds, I wouldn't say there were, or 14, 13-year-olds, there weren't many. So did you just go play with your dad? Is that, like, mainly, like, when you went yeah. and played? My dad and my brother, we played, and my brother was way better than me. Because he was, like, hardcore ultimate, right? That was, like, his Yeah, his I mean, he wasn't hardcore, but he was, like, he knew how to throw a Frisbee, and it transitioned really easily into disc golf. And he was, like, throwing 400 feet, and he's, like, around 17, 16 years old, and he was really good. Whoa. And yeah. did did you both play tournaments at the same time? He never played tournaments. Uh, it was kind of interesting. He just didn't – I don't think he really wanted to. He was a very competitive uh-huh. person, and I kind of – quickly started getting better than him uh-huh. um and I, I don't think he really liked that and so uh, he <laughs> yeah. kind of stuck to his stuff which was uh he was i was the band geek he was the theater guy i see but he was like a lead guy in all the productions at my high school and all that and uh so he kind of stuck with that stuff i went to disc golf and we both had our happy little places and sweet yeah and you guys didn't have to fight over like who oh we better. still we still fought okay. good okay <laughs> never mind then about other things though yeah, yeah. well yeah, I want to ask about this experience because, again, way different than mine. You jumped into the tournaments way quicker than me. Yeah. Maybe by like a year or two, but I just, I barely remember much of anything from my it's... first tournaments. I remember crying, yeah. missing a tap-in when I was 13. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. I still cry. Very well could have happened to me yeah. last year, yeah. <laughs> but um, you were playing some tournaments, and I want to just jump forward to 05 because you played... I think one tournament in 04. I played Answers. I played Novice. Answers. It had yeah. one name. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So strange. <laughs> do you do you remember anything about your first tournament? I do. I remember I, I was playing Novice with my dad, and I beat the, uh, the previously mentioned James Moore, and I thought that was a big deal because like, he was the one kid that I wanted to beat, and I uh-huh. got him by a couple strokes. Sick. I remember that. Yeah. Did you were you like practicing and preparing for this tournament for like, all the time prior to it, or did you just kind of? 
Do you remember how you first approached the game? I probably didn't change a thing going yeah. into it because I, I didn't really know how to play a tournament at that uh, point. I just kind of thought it was another round. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just went into it thinking that I was going to play around with my dad. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. What discs yeah. were you throwing? Do you remember that? Like, what were your go-tos at the time? Oh, man. I think I, I had that Discraft Wildcat. I remember I had a, like, a Crystal Z Buzz. Oh, baby. Maybe, like, a Classic Rock or something like that. And that's the ultimate bag. Yeah, an old magnet. Washington, like, 2003 Washington State Series magnet or something. Oh. That I found at a Lost Found Bin, probably. <laughs> and then and then you just moved forward, and, and you played your first tournament, and then 05... I need to jump into this tournament. We've talked about this in the past, and you've said that you don't have a ton of memories from this tournament, but it's an infamous tournament at this point. The (laughs) 05 Junior World Championships. I have already had uh, Paul McBeth on the show. I've had Yuli on the show. Mm -hmm. I've had James Conrad on the show. We've pretty much all talked about this tournament. (laughs) And everyone has a different documentation and level of memory about this tournament. Okay. And it's just, it's so fascinating. Devin Owens, of all people, won. The lefty, who's no longer on tour, but still one of the best lefties of all time. Amazing player. If not, I would say the best lefty of all time. I think he's the only one to win a national tour. Yeah. Um, But he won the tournament. Yuli got fourth. Conrad got sixth. Paul McBeth got ninth. And you got 19th. So, I mean, not, it really, at this point, it doesn't matter. We, we don't yeah. know who's who, but did you know who was who at the time? Did you know any of these kids or hear about any of these kids going into that tournament at all? It was in Flagstaff, right? Yeah, it was in Flagstaff, and that's actually where I met um, the Sextons for the first time. Interesting. I didn't know it until years later, but I was like, oh, my gosh, that's, that's Nate and Colin. But, uh, yeah, I didn't really... I didn't really process any of the names. I was just there with my dad hanging out playing disc golf, and I'd play my tournament rounds and then go back and hang out with my dad. Do you remember being like really excited about signing up for the event? Because it looked like that was pretty much your first big one. Yeah, I remember being incredibly stressed. I remember after the tournament crying a lot. Wow. Thinking that I was wasting my parents' time, and they were just like... Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I was, I, I was very scared of letting them down. Uh-huh. Um, I'm still, I still am to that point, but in a more mature way. Yeah. I know <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not calling my dad crying. Unfortunately, but, I know exactly what yeah, you mean. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I remember it being a very stressful experience for me, because it was the biggest tournament I've been in, been in at, at that point. Yeah. And uh, it was just new mm-hmm. and kind of scary. Yeah, it sounds like you don't... Yeah. Because it was so scary, it was almost like you were kind of like out of your skin at the time, and you don't yeah. remember too much. Like, still, I still feel that way. It's not like I just played. We just played the USDGC, and I kind of felt the same way. Where I was more stressed than I felt like I should have. I know exactly yeah. what you mean. Wow. Like, I want. I want to be. I want to just play so well mm-hmm. that it. I don't know. It's it's, it's a competitive nature, but it's also like uh, yeah, impending doom is like <laughs> right around the corner. Yeah, every every hole you can get a fifteen. So yeah, and then when you're a kid, yeah. it's worse because you don't know how to handle those emotions as well and they yeah. came out for me emotionally with like just crying and just being like dad i'm sorry wow yeah but, and, and again it's yeah it's not like you're one yeah. of these kids that was like training in like hockey since you were three years old and yeah. were put into that you know competitive stress mm-hmm. super early you were a musician yeah you know or you were playing music as a kid so it's a mm-hmm. little different yeah and i still had homework and all that stuff to do so. yeah exactly <laughs> yeah but Something interesting. I know you don't remember much from this tournament. I have to bring a couple things up. I was okay. looking through just the overall scores of the tournament. And this was a time when it wasn't just Junior Worlds. It was the Amateur World Championships. Mm-hmm. And the Advanced Division's there. The junior Juniors yep. Divisions are there. It's a bigger tournament. Um, so here's what I noticed. The big story at this tournament, you played Junior 2 boys. Is that 16 and under at I, the time? I believe so, yeah. 
the <laughs> I can't I actually can't believe this. The big story from this tournament, David Wiggins <laughs> played in uh junior four boys, which is obviously younger. Yeah. <laughs> he won by ninety nine strokes. <laughs> I forgot about that. David Wiggins four thirty two to five thirty one on oh, the man. kid below him. I remember seeing him. Yeah, unbelievable. And this was yeah. the kid. I mean, for those of you who are newer to disc golf, maybe got into disc golf through COVID, David Wiggins was a big deal for a long time. And he's still, he's younger than us. And yeah. he's still younger than us. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't gotten older yet. He yeah. still hasn't gotten older than us yet. <laughs> no, but he was one of the first kids that I knew of who had a parent that was training them, mm-hmm. from what I've heard, yeah. training them in distance yeah. from a super young age. And David... Yep. Was throwing three sixties, you know, four hundred yeah. feet by the time he was ten, maybe even younger than that. One uh, of the the things I remember um, from seeing him play was, you know, James Conrad has his run up, and everyone yeah. kind of jokes about it, like, "Oh, James Conrad tee pads and all that." I feel like David Wiggins was twice as far. He ran like a forty meter dash before yeah. he threw, and then just smashed it. Little David Wiggins just out driving all the other junior kids, and we're just sitting there like, "This kid's a shrimp." Yeah, he's st- <laughs> this kid's a shrimp. <laughs> he did not end up a shrimp. No sir, I'll tell you that. No sir, because he still I mean, he still has the world record for distance, yeah. and he set that eleven oh nine or eleven thirty one. Eleven thirty one, and yeah. I don't care what anyone says about the wind assist or anything like that. You go out and do it. Yeah, it's it's so hard with when the tailwind is that heavy. Mm-hmm. It's hard to throw a disc that far. You have to everything has to work yeah. out perfectly. Yeah. So David is in, insanely impressive. But the real Absolutely. story of that tournament was him winning by almost a hundred strokes. Ninety-nine. Yikes. Oof. Yeah, I'm glad I wasn't playing against him. Another strange <laughs> thing that I <laughs> not as important, but I noticed this: Philo was playing the tournament in oh, the nice. advanced division, but at the time. He was Phil Brathwaite. Phil. <laughs> Phil Brathwaite. <laughs> Look. 960 oh rated Phil Brathwaite. I wonder when he added the O. Yeah, I actually should have <laughs> done that. I should have done the research on that, but I was looking through that, and I, I, I had a double take, and I went through to make sure it wasn't like one of his parents or something like that. <laughs> no, it's him. And That's he, awesome. Phil. Yeah, I'm going to have to ask him if I get him on the show, like... <laughs> What yeah. the story behind that is. I hope I catch him off guard. I'll call him Phil next time I see him and see what he says. <laughs> hey, Philly! <laughs> it's like, whoa. Um, <laughs> who, won the, who won the tournament? Uh, someone named Jan Smuts. Oh. Yeah, I've actually... That, but that's the interesting thing about some of these, like, AM tournaments from, like, older years. You click on the names of the people that win, and... Yeah. They're, they, yeah, they've been expired There's since. no stats. Yeah. yeah. It kind of stinks. It, it, I know. It is really sad. That means, yeah. you know, say for... Ken Climo or something, if he chooses to not renew his PDGA, you can't look at his stats from all those years. You know, it's, yeah. but uh, that's something that I think will change. I I have yeah. a strong feeling. I feel like that any that's of us change. should just pay, for pay his... to have his membership. Yeah, yeah. constant. Yeah. If anyone from, who works at Innova see you know <laughs> listens to this, that would be a wonderful solution because I would love to be able to look at his stats as well. For sure. Um, but anyway, weird tournament. Yeah. Uh, you know, a couple of weird things happened. You had your first experience playing a big event as a, still a kid. Yeah. When you left that tournament, I know you said you cried. Mm-hmm. What did that do for your love of the game afterwards? Did it make you love the game more, or were you kind of afraid to compete again? Yeah, I've always I've always struggled with like failing, just a sense of failure. Just how other people perceive me after after certain tournaments, like even the the tournament we just played. I'm struggling right now having to like think about like oh what if my 
friends and family back home see how I played and be like, oh, what's wrong with Chandler? When really there's nothing wrong. I just had a bad weekend. Exactly. But uh, it took me a long time to realize that, like, bad weekends happen. Mm -hmm. And I think when I was a kid in 2004 after Flagstaff, um, I just kind of internalized what I did mm -hmm. as far as, like, how the, the, the poor shots I played. But I think my dad, or probably my dad back then told me just, like, focus on the positives. Exactly. You know, like you threw yeah. a lot of good shots. You, you obviously you threw a lot of bad shots, but like just try to remember what you did well. Yeah. Internalize those and uh, just move forward because there's no point in getting frustrated about something that's exactly. already happened. So, um, yeah, I think if anything, it it made me want to play more just to have a better finish, have a better tournament, have a better um, feeling after a tournament. You know. So you got fired up. Yeah, it's kind of hard to remember. It's, I mean. 17 years ago, that's a yeah, long time of course. ago. But uh, I wish I had taken more pictures or maybe done a journal or something like that. But Some people, you know, you never know. And I ask these questions because some people, like, they could tell you a C tier they played 25 years ago. And I'm not like that. I know. And, and I'm, yeah. I'm only like that with certain certain events. Yeah. Um, so I guess moving forward in life, you're starting to have that crossover. Like, you get into college, you're playing music. Mm-hmm. Still playing disc golf. You're a yeah. year older than me, so you were in college like 2009? 2009, yeah. Or two, uh, September of 2008. Okay, yeah, yeah. And then 2009 was, was your year. Yeah. I saw in 2009 that you you played and traveled quite a bit for disc golf. So what yeah. what happened in that year between September 2008, 2009? What was going on? Um, I was, it was a, it was a balancing act. It was a juggling act. Um, so I went to Western Washington university, which is like top left of Washington. So pretty much every tournament that I traveled to was so far away because uh -huh. it was like two and a half hours to my hometown. And then after that, and it's still like another three hours down to Oregon. So if I wanted to play really any tournaments, it was usually about two hours away. I see. And so, and I also had a student job. I was uh, working at the instrument library, renting out Ooh. music and instruments and cleaning them and all that. So I was trying to juggle that. It was just I, I remember a lot of just driving, but not, not by yourself. I, um, I actually didn't get my license until I was eighteen, so it was my first year driving and all that. So I was just driving a lot with my uh, Volvo S eighty, yeah, classy yes. car. I remember driving a lot with uh, Washington pros like Mike Leslie, uh, who else? Probably Nate Sexton then as mm -hmm. well. Um, maybe not back in two thousand eight, but uh, yeah, I remember it being very stressful, struggling with my grades, trying to decide what i wanted to be like did i want to be a professional disc golfer because i didn't even view that as a viable well especially career. in 08 yeah it wasn't like i think Eulabar was out there grinding as he has done for every year since mm -hmm. since then but uh there weren't many guys just out there making a life out of it like dave felberg probably yeah. phil brothwaite oh no <laughs> oh philly <laughs> well oh nine was the year avery jenkins won mm -hmm. world so the scene then was like avery felberg Philo, mm -hmm. Yuli was like the up and comer. Oh, Kale yeah. was was oh, yeah. you know up there. Shoestrick was starting yep. to come up. Shoe I believe. Yeah. Nico won the USDGC. Oh yeah, in two thousand in nine. Yep. Um, which is insane to think about. It's a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, the scene the scene looked kind of the same, but kind of di you know kind of different. The talent was there, it just wasn't as deep, you know, exactly. like Exactly. You can go like you can go win a B tier averaging 985 probably. Mm -hmm. And nowadays that's not going to fly. You got to average 1040. Yeah, exactly. Cuz yeah. some local is going to come out and just shoot unbelievable at their home course. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I mean you played three national tours in a major that year in 09 mm -hmm. and you're in college and you 
travel. You played, I believe, the Memorial Beaver State Fling. You played. You played the Alaska Disc Golf Championships. <laughs> yeah. Like you're a college kid and you're just bopping all over the place. Yeah. Where was your head at, like career-wise? Because everyone's expected in college to start thinking about that. Like, I think I still was viewing disc golf as just kind of like a side hobby. Okay. Um, the only reason I went up to Alaska that distance, I've I gone to Alaska quite a few times and okay. played, but the only reason I went up there is because my aunt and uncle lived up there, and they actually just moved away a couple of years ago. But um, it was a chance to go be with family, and there just happened to be a disc golf tournament. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really like, I wasn't going there just for the disc golf tournament. Uh-huh. It was more to spend time with my aunt and uncle. I see. Yeah. Um, but my head was definitely, um, in music. I was trying to like, I I wasn't enjoying it, but I was definitely in my head. I was just like, I'm going to be a music teacher or something. I don't really know what I'm doing, but I have to do something. I feel like I have to do this since I'm already committed. Mm -hmm. And I think terrible uh, feeling. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I feel like even to this day that I should have taken a gap year just to figure out what I wanted to do instead of just jumping into college. Easier said than done. You know, I I just had no idea what I was doing and I, I just felt stuck. Um, but it, I quickly realized that I wanted to change mm-hmm. that, and I, I switched degree I majors from prefer, uh, performance, percussion performance, to business management. Okay, which I thought was a much more. Um, uh, it was a. It was a like more well-rounded. Yeah, it had more career paths. It wasn't just like you have to do this or this or this. There's a multitude of things you can uh, exactly. branch off to. So that's where your head was at. But then, like moving forward in life, what happened? Did you graduate? You know, there's a lot of disc golfers that I have spoken to mm-hmm. and it's almost creepy how many of them were like mm, went to college for about two months yeah. <laughs> and i just left and i became a professional disc golfer yeah was that your experience as well like did you finish what happened yeah i pushed through i uh, i spent two and a half years in bellingham but then my parents went through a divorce and i decided to come home mostly for to hang out with them make sure they were good but also for me because i just wasn't enjoying it up in bellingham i wanted yeah. to be close to family and i knew they were hurting so i wanted to Help them out. Respect. Yeah, and so I went down there, and uh, then I finished my degree. I did uh, late night classes at Evergreen State College okay. in Olympia, and I worked at my mom's daycare for like three years. Nice. Yeah, I was... also taught at a daycare. That's awesome. Yeah, it, it was it was fun. It's it's a it's a career that you can easily burn out in. It's I don't the think daycare. People, yeah, I don't think people appreciate how actually hard it is. To mm-hmm. work in a daycare. Yeah, the kids and the parents. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You got to deal with the parents, the kids. Challenging. Mo- yeah, most of them are fantastic, but every once in a while you get pooped on. Oh, yeah. You get pooped <laughs> on figuratively and literally. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, there's also a certain stigma. We'll, we won't go into this, but like yeah. men working in daycare, like some parents just don't trust you, unfortunately. I have but some I stories, just, yeah. Yeah, but we'll get into that later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's it's a completely normal and like understandable thing that you did that, and I I'm sure that period of life, because what are you, like early 20s at the time? Yeah. Oh my gosh, what a stressful yeah. time. It was nice working for my mom, though. Exactly. Because I could travel, play disc golf, and it was easy to find. She was understanding and whatnot. Yeah, yeah very supportive. So then you were able to work on your game, mm-hmm. and at the time, you've been playing disc golf a while at that point. Yeah. What What did professional disc golfer Chandler, what did open level Chandler do? There's a few things you do that I... Just being a frisbee geek, you do some things better than anyone I've ever seen. And yeah. the one I want to ask about that. in regard, you're welcome. I <laughs> I love playing disc golf with you, man. And your putt is what blows me away. Yeah, and it blows a lot of people away. It's beautiful. It's in <laughs> you. It's that textbook push putt with a little bit of spin on it. Yeah. How did that? How did that come to be for you? Like, what kind of practice? 
practicer. I don't think that's a word, mm. but we're going to use that. Okay. <laughs> what kind yeah. of practicer were you in the in the world of disc golf? Like at, at this time. At that time, I really didn't do field practice. I just played rounds. Okay. Um, I, it was before I realized the importance of field practice and developing skill and routine and all that. I, I was lucky enough to meet David Felberg pretty early on in my professional career. And he definitely worked with me. He helped me out quite a bit. And uh, also Avery Jenkins to a much lesser degree. But I I like to think that my putt is kind of a mixture of those two. Whoa, you're right. Yeah, kind of like the Dave Felberg push and then the April. Yeah, I guess Avery Jenkins is a push putter too, but... It's kind of like the era of the push putt. I would say Felberg, yeah, Felberg's push putt kind of came like a lot lower, and Avery's felt like it was like a little bit higher up in the stance. Yeah. And I would say yours kind of doesn't go all the way down. Yeah, a bit in your of a stand. modified Felberg. Yeah, so then yeah. I guess what did he teach you about? Did he teach you anything specific about the push putt? It was putt? more just playing with him. I see. Quite, oh, like, you were watching. Yeah, practice rounds and tournament rounds because like he's from Oregon. He played a lot of Oregon B tiers, mm-hmm. and I was lucky enough to be in his cards quite a bit and befriend him. Yeah, I just get, I just kind of pushing through the basket. Like when I was younger, I remember just trying to get to the basket mm-hmm. and just like not really. I, I was missing short and low quite a bit, mm-hmm. and I just working with him, like getting not not just pushing to the basket, but just like straight through, straight it. through the chains and trusting that yeah. it's gonna stick. Yeah, interesting. So you never <laughs> sat on a basket with your headphones on and just like grind it away, or was that something that you? That's more of a recent thing. Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Practicing is more of a recent phenomenon in my life. (laughs) (laughs) So you were just straight up natural. You just love playing disc golf. Yeah. And I think Felberg was the guy who told me that practice really comes in the field, not, not in the course Mm -hmm. because, and and I feel like if you just practice on the course, you learn a lot of bad habits and it carries over into tournament play because you're trying stuff that you don't need to try. Yeah. And repetition is the only thing that's going to get you better. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and it's funny you say that because I think of Nate Sexton, someone that you've talked about quite a bit, yeah. you know, in the past as someone who is very good at doing that, very good at just leaving the practice at the practice field or wherever oh, yeah. he does his practice. He's the best at it. And he will fall onto two or three shots mm-hmm. and that's it. And I, re- I remember yeah. I had him on the show and he was talking about when he toured with Dion Arlen yeah. and Dion's always trying to like perfect his form and do all this mm-hmm. like technical stuff. And Nate's just he's like, no, yeah. <laughs> never thought about that. Like, that that's what's fascinating to me about disc golf. He is an absolute, for lack of a better term, baller. Like, he, I, I I kind of understand it because he's just so naturally gifted. Mm-hmm. But he's at home taking care of Coraline, being a full time dad, and he comes to the most prestigious tournament in the world. Uh, two of them, Worlds and USCGC, mm-hmm. gets third at Worlds, fifth at USCGC, averages fourth at the majors, and he, I mean, he practices, but not as much as like Paul or. There's something yeah. there's something amazing about coming into a game like disc golf that has so many possibilities and yeah. so many decisions that you can make at any moment in time. Yeah. And the conditions can change on you mm-hmm. and there's so many distractions that can pop up especially nowadays with how yeah. disc golf's been blowing up. Oh yeah. Our courses aren't meant to have like thousands of of spectators yeah. around. There's only a few courses that can actually handle it. Yeah. That. Yeah. And to be able to to switch gears that quickly, mm. I, I think I've made this comment before about him, but it doesn't. As a commentator that commentates regularly and tries to play, I don't get it. Yeah, I don't understand that mental thing that he has going on. I think, as you said before, his power is simplification. He takes the shots that he's most confident in every he, time, and he does it. Like I think one of the best examples is even last weekend on hole fifteen, the triple mando hole, par four. 
Yeah. He, he went. He got it three out of four times going sidearm, sidearm. What? Yeah. No one. Not, no one else does that. We're all going backhand at it, try to get around the corner. He's going sidearm, sidearm. What? Getting the birdie. Is he literally hyzering out to the right? I think so. Like wow. that's what I'm saying. Like he's so confident. Probably, he's probably even throwing an Excal. I don't Excalibur, but something <laughs> over stable. But like he's so confident in that shot, he has no doubt that he's going to make that Mando and be able to ha- uh, execute the second shot. It's yeah. so that's so commendable. Like, yeah, it's amazing. And yeah. so I guess, what kind of player? What kind of player would you call yourself? Um, you know, when you were in the bulk of your open years before you were what you were on tour. Mm-hmm. What what kind of player were you on on that spectrum? Were you aggressive? Were you timid? Like, pretty aggressive. I think the reason my putting is is fairly strong is because I have been aggressive almost my entire career. Like, I'm always going for it. Yeah. Unless it's like a super death putt and I have to lay up with, with in the situation. But if there's an open fifty footer, I have no doubt that I'm yeah, going to make not? the comeback. I might not not make the comeback, but when I'm trying the first putt, I'm, I think I'm going to make it. Yeah. Would Would you tell that to younger kids? Would you Would you encourage them to to play like that early on? I think if you look at the younger players playing right now, like Gannon Burr, Kyle Klein, they're going for it, mm-hmm. and they're making Adam it. when he was yeah. first coming up. Same Absolutely. thing. That's and, what I've yeah. noticed as well. Yeah, I think the aggressive generation is here, and it's working out for them, especially mm-hmm. with the courses they're playing. Yeah, yeah, and I think if your IQ can can develop over time, if you have the physicality, mm-hmm. that's the other thing that I'm noticing. Younger players who have the power will a lot of times be better than the kids who are con- you know smooth and controlled yeah but have that little thing in their form that's going to prevent them from bombing the disc a million feet yeah um i've noticed that the kids who have the distance right away but then figure out the rest of it later build the iq later mm-hmm. are the ones that the formula yeah. is almost laid out there right now it's yeah. kind of wild for sure yeah like kyle klein kyle <laughs> He's a perfect is example i feel like Ky- yeah, I I want to have him on at some point to have a to give me a different perspective on disc golf because mm-hmm. he sees it through a completely different lens than other people right now because he's so fresh to the game like yeah. he only sees it as it is now. He's the new kid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's proven himself already. Yeah, yeah, it's insane. Yeah. I, and I, and I guess I, we're talking about these players on tour and and you know we kind of jumped ahead a little bit but I think it's important to have these conversations um, because your story of going on tour is a lot different than a lot of other people's. Mm-hmm. You went on tour a lot later yeah. than other people in the same vein as myself, Connor O'Reilly. Like, yeah, I think even James was the same thing. James didn't go on tour until he was, you know, 27 years mm-hmm. old or something like that. Yeah. When in your life, you know, you're working at the daycare, you're taking care of your family, you're doing a very respectable thing by yeah. just being there, being a presence. Mm-hmm. Um, you're playing these tournaments you're obviously playing pretty well. When and what happened <laughs> yeah. to switch your brain to I'm going to maybe do this full time? I think I've struggled with viewing disc golf until recently as a um career path for me cuz growing up um uh, my aunt my, and my aunt and my mom and my dad always kind of pushed the like 9 to 5 job, you know. Of course, um, that's yeah. what their generation. That's, that's just society. Yeah, you know, that's just what they told us to do. And I think in my head, I internalized that, and I was just like, "I got to do that." I so must, I've always yeah. worked a job, and I kind of viewed disc golf, as I said before, a side a side hobby. But I think seeing in 2019, that's when I was just like, "You know what? Why not?" You know, I'm I'm getting older. At that mm-hmm. that point, I, I'm 29, mm-hmm. and I think that was my first year. At what definitely was, I took a couple 
like after I graduated college, I, I toured for like two and a half months in a, my mom's old Ford Windstar. Yes. With uh, my good buddy Tim McDill from Oregon. Loved him. He's awesome. Great guy. Yeah. But that was like my first dabbling, and like that was still before anything really was happening on the mm-hmm. Pro Tour. And I think in 2019, when I saw Disc Golf Pro Tour, and I, I saw like the kind of the, the foundation mm-hmm. of what we have now starting, I was like, you know what, I might as well give it a try. And I, I got my uh, my VW Beetle. I remember the gray Beetle. Yeah, the, the classic Beetle Turbo. That thing was awesome. Um, until re- yeah, I got rid of it recently, and it was a mess. Yeah, I got my Beetle, and I just kind of went for it. And then I met you in Montana. Wow, yeah, and yeah. What, a th- what a time for both of us to converge because you're yeah. on here like first tour and I am in a situation where I was originally supposed to be someone's like assistant. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I'd only been touring for a year and then all of a sudden yeah. he goes away and I'm stuck with this big yeah. billboard that I don't, yeah. I don't know what to do with this thing. Like yeah. I'm terrified. Like I, mm-hmm. and I was like, all right, at least one more terrified person can come to, can join me in the, <laughs> in the RV. That was a, that was a great time. Yeah. That I, was a great time. It was great. It was great to meet you, and it was a good situation for I think both of us to yeah. have, to have a buddy on the road. Yeah, and I think yeah. for those again who like are listening and are newer to disc golf, 2019, I met Paul Uleberry in 2018, and he asked me to. He was looking for like a like a newer player to, on tour to kind of help mm-hmm. him out with clinics. We had some talks about form and whatnot. He liked the way I talked about the game, so he asked me to be in the RV. But that's yeah. the year, and again. It's this big 30-foot Class A RV. It was yeah. like 22,000 pounds. I almost needed to get a CDL license to drive the, the thing. The Thor. Yeah, it's a yeah. big boy. <laughs> it's a big boy. But then that's the year that at Blue Lake, mm-hmm. Paul tore his ACL. Uh, yeah. He went home. And I'd, I don't have a say in who gets to be in the RV. Like, yeah. I, who am I at this point in time? Like, I hadn't done anything. Yeah, we caravanned for a while. Yeah, yeah. I had yeah. just gotten the promotion to, like, you know, elite team I, it was all just a lot, mm-hmm. but then Chandler was right place, right time. We met <laughs> in, up out. in Montana, and I was like, "Okay, this is gonna be this is gonna be great." Yep. And boom, that's this point in time. Yep. Drove to Michigan, dropped the beetle off at the Michi- at the uh, Discraft factory. Yeah, and I hopped in. Yeah, we got our first commentary gig together on Jomez. Yeah, CCR Open. Yeah, check that check that out, folks. Me and Chandler did Jomez commentary in 2019. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think that was my first ever commentary yeah we didn't do too bad and it was on Jomez. yeah awesome. not too bad that's awesome but that's the that's the cool thing about being on tour is sometimes if you put yourself out there just yeah things fall into your lap and that's mm. i'm sure you've found the same thing that i've found it's like if you just care and you just show the world that you care yeah they're like i like that like uh, yeah. let's help that guy you know you get the you get the trolls too well of course but, i mean you just gotta ignore those that's guys that's humanity girls. you know yeah. that's just how it goes yeah yeah, tell me, tell me about the time when you finally, like, pulled pulled the trigger. Was it twenty nineteen? It was actually twenty twenty. That was when you finally pulled the trigger. That's when I was like, I'm making this a career. When exactly did you de- did you decide that? Um, it was after. So twenty nineteen was kind of an exploratory mission. It was just kind of seeing what I can do, how I how I play, um, what I was capable of, and I felt like I was I did okay. Um, towards the end of the year, I had that elbow injury, and I had to bow out a. Uh, the vacation line opened in yeah, Maine. That's so that was terrible, and I tried to last for a couple of weeks, seeing if the injury would go away. It didn't, but that's another story, mm-hmm. which we can talk about later if you want. But <laughs> I, after that, after I rehabbed, I got back to playing. I felt like I was strong enough to do it again. And 2020 came around, and uh, Jeff Corns and I, Jeff Corns is the Discraft tour manager, offered me a spot in his RV with Adam Hammes. And mm-hmm. I was just, I like, remember that. Yeah, let's do it. I'm ready. 
Um, it was a great opportunity. I, I still appreciate him to this day, but COVID came around. Of course. Waco. Yeah. And uh, completely <laughs> ruined everything. Mm-hmm. And so I went back home. Um, my MO in situations like that is to stay with family. Of course. If there's a chance that they can get hurt, uh, either like mentally or physically, I'm not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. So I, I stayed at my mom's house during lockdown for three months. And after the tour opened up, I decided to stay home just to be with them because COVID was still all over the place. Yeah. It still is kind of. Yeah. Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. But we won't talk about that. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. so I got a job in Olympia um, working at a local package express retail store which does licensing shipping and the best part is they sell discs so that's how that, oh, that was so my that's connection what PacX is yeah PacX is a wonderful company ran by a wonderful wonderful guy kevin david um it's like I, in my opinion i, I work there but so i'm biased but it is yeah. the best um disc golf shop in the pacific northwest well, that's awesome yeah, and also the best part about it is it had two professional disc golfers pretty much working there all the time. Yeah, Crabtree, right? Uh, John Anderson. Oh, oh, no way. Yeah. That's John, awesome. Uh, one of my good buddies, uh, John Anderson, and I, he's still, he's still working there. But yeah, so that's what I did during 2020 when I was originally supposed to be on tour with Adam Hammes, but it was kind of a sad year for me. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of depression because we'd always have the TV going with all the recent tournaments, and I'm yeah. sitting there licensing a, or giving someone registration for their Buick Cavella, I don't know, that's not even a car. Um, they're Honda Civic, and yeah. I'm just seeing all my friends and competitors up on the TV just doing what I thought and I should And you feel be doing. like you're doing the right thing. Yeah. 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 And, and it's like it doesn't matter because the, that's the the paradox that that whole year threw at us. Yeah. It's like, well, we got we to gotta make money somehow. Yeah. Like, we got we to gotta do something. Yep. And the tour kind of opened up, and it was kind of messy for a little bit. Absolutely. You know, it was yeah. definitely it was messy. It was scary. Yeah. yeah. I was scared. I was literally scared for my friends because I'm seeing all these news reports and yeah. I had a few fr- family members and friends get COVID. I'm just like, what are they doing? Yeah, we don't know, what are they we doing? Don't know a lot yeah. about this right now. Yeah, it was a weird year, man. It was yeah. very I think bizarre. we're all still recovering. Yeah. And yeah. And, and I feel like this year was a, it it closed with a on a nice note. We still have mm-hmm. one more big event left. Yeah. I feel like we're starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. We finally had yeah, the phase three so. events, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, man, I don't know. It, what a crazy time for you to finally make the decision mm-hmm. and then have that happen. And, yeah, you know, did it make you... I know you, you said you dealt with some depression. Just, I mean, obviously there's that FOMO of like, yeah, oh my gosh, like, should I be doing this right now? Should I be yeah. out there on tour? Like, what am yeah. I doing with my life? But you clearly made the decision to keep working towards it. Yeah. And, I think a big part of that was just my, my age. Like, yeah, I'm looking at the, most of the players right now, and they're a lot younger. Still, there's still like Paul McBath and Ricky Wysocki, Nate Sex, and all those guys who are still in the 30s. Amazing, not yeah. Ricky, but yeah, it was mostly my age that was a consideration because like I'm not getting any younger, and I'm probably not going to get any better. Yeah, yeah, you know, like I can, but um, you, you as far as like you're going to throw 700, yeah, I, yeah, no chance. Yeah, <laughs> I did just get this new ESP nuke from Big Germ though. Oh, so so there's a chance. 700's in in the realm of possibility. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just thought I needed to get out there, and uh, I, I my mom was freaking out um, just yeah. due to COVID. And I was like, I'll be as safe as I can, mm-hmm. but I need to do this. I need to get out. Yeah, that yeah. I mean, and that's the that's the thing. Like we, if this is your profession, like you got to go get after it. Mm-hmm. And I, I I really have like a lot of respect for what you've done because I looked at your stats. This year was probably your best season. Would yeah. you say so? I, I'd agree. 
30 events like you cashed you you cashed pretty highly at some big events numerous mm -hmm. times like yeah. you cashed at nearly all the events like yeah and you had some peaks that were like starting to starting to hit and yeah. it's like there you go you got your screen time you got the highlight reels like yep. how do you, how do you feel you know as this season's wrapping up like where's your head at in regards to this career yeah thing that's going on in disc golf i think uh it was a it was a progressive year for me it was a stepping stone for me i think i, I proved to myself as well as a lot of other people that i i, I belong out here uh -huh. i truly truly believe i belong out here at this point where it, oh, when yeah. i was coming into this year i was just like well i'm still kind of dipping my toes in the water and seeing what happens but i'm still looking for those those performances that i know i can uh -huh. do you know there's still those those i can still think back to like otb open where i got i think 13th and on just, that course? Yeah. That's like, so impressive. And there's just like a couple holes that I just played so bad on. If I didn't have those two holes, yeah. I would have gotten top five. You know, stuff like that. I'm, I still think back and I'm, I know I'm just, uh, inches away, mm -hmm. literally from... What is it? Yeah. What, what, what do you think it's it is? my head. Okay. It's, it's, uh, it's, I mean, it's probably just mental health. You know, mm -hmm. anxiety, depression. I still struggle with that. I take a medication for it. And uh, it's just coming to terms with like what I'm capable of and mm -hmm. what I believe I can do. Yeah which is the hardest thing for me because I've struggled with uh, who I am for a long time. You know, uh -huh. I've struggled with just image issues. I've struggled with uh, mental health. And it's just, I have to believe that I'm supposed to be here because if not, then why am I even here? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I just have to do it. Yeah, there's no permission. Like really no good. one's giving you permission, you <laughs> yeah. know? You just choose something and you do it. And then, yeah. and then, it, and then it's over. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know? I'm one, like you and I are, one, are two of the best players in the world at playing disc golf at doing at doing a, any activity we're, we're, we're the best at this activity <laughs> yeah i i, I yeah. love the, to me it's like I, if you step onto the course and you don't believe you're the best player there why are you there it's just you're limiting yourself yeah you know and and that's what i've learned you know i just announced that usdgc was my last tournament as a yeah. player but i'm not done because i'm fascinated oh, with, i i hope you're not Oh no no no! There, it's yeah. I'll I'll yeah. let y'all know soon what's for going sure, on. But for sure. I, I'm so fascinated at this this point because now we're finally getting to talk about the game, like a lot of other pro sports, mm -hmm. because we're finally starting to see the egos. Oh yeah. And ego in sports is so fascinating to me because there are some people in our sport. We have like this awesome spectrum. We have James Conrad on one end in our division. Yeah. And we have, I don't know. I guess you could say Ricky. I'm not saying he's like this evil person or like Paul. Yeah. But like they have this different way of tapping into their skills. Mm -hmm. And when Ricky's playing, he's like, go, 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 locked and loaded. Like I'm ready to stomp on you guys. Yeah. But James, it doesn't seem like anything changes. It's just <laughs> James yeah. is meditating or just sitting in a hammock and then he... Walk slowly walks onto the course and then and shoots a ten seventy five. Yeah, and then walks off and just sits still for two juggling. hours. But Ricky, Ricky's the pro athlete, you know, yeah. like he's the aggressive, like you know, uh, not money hungry, but just like bloodthirsty competitor. You know, kind of old school and new school when you like. That's a, what I'm a saying. Bit. Yeah, and we and we still have that in our game. So for sure, it's evolving to at this beautiful this beautiful rate. And I think you're going to fit in perfectly. You're about to play in the tour championship, which this year was so hard to make. Yeah, I'm, are you I'm, stoked for that? I'm pretty proud of myself for that. I think, oh, yeah, you know, I don't think only 32 people made it on the entire That's tour. That's insane. 32, and I'm 28th. Yeah, I squeaked in, and I remember at GMC Green Mountain Championship, 
I was trying to qualify for USCGC. I was in like, well, it was the last qualifying. It was not. UCC the Open was the last But it was one of the, one of the last qualifiers. Yeah. And then uh, I was also in like 29th or 30. No, I was in 32nd. Oh, yeah. You were right in the line, weren't for you? For Disc Golf Pro Tour. Yep. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I got I to gotta ball out to do anything and qualify for these two. And I, I was in first after the first round. I ended up not playing well for the rest of the event. But I was in first for a second, which was pretty but cool. But it was good enough to get you a good spot in both tournaments. Mm-hmm. Up in 28th now in DGPT. And Dude. I got into the USCGC. I was the first qualifying spot. That's and, awesome. Yeah, it felt pretty good because I had been trying the entire year. Like, what more validation can you can you have? You know? Yeah. That's that's it. This is the, the year mm-hmm. for competitive disc golf. Yeah. And if you make that list, like, I look at that list of players now and it's like, oh my God, all of them are on tour. Yeah. Every single one of these that's are full-time wild. professional players. That's yeah. insane. Now we're playing for 30000 bucks. Let's go. It's pretty amazing. I've, I never played for that kind of money before, so it's a, definitely a And anything experience. can happen because the format is different. Yeah. My questions for you, I have two more questions before we wrap this up. Okay. And they're more fun like frisbee related questions. Okay. I've asked this to a few people, Eagle, Simon, Seppo. In the world of the flying disc in general, you've seen all of the best players in the world throw. It's kind of cool to say that we just hang out with professional frisbee throwers all the time. Mm-hmm. What a weird group of people to be able to hang out <laughs> it's with. It's fantastic. It is fantastic. Yeah. What after all these years, you said 18 years potentially mm-hmm. you've been playing? After 18 years, what shot shape in general, or a shot shape thrown by a specific player, blows you away still after all these years. Instantly, the first player that came to my mind was Seppo Paiu. Yes. Yeah, I think he's one of the uh, and and immediately Garrett Gerthy comes right in there. But Seppo Paiu, and I'm thinking of the um, eagle at Delaware, just his ability to heiser flip high speed drivers right down the gut, and then just put them right on. I, yeah. that's my answer that oh, oh, literally really? is my answer and, <laughs> and again for those of you who are new watching yeah. if you watch Finnish disc golf Seppo's name hasn't been super super high up there mm-hmm. that man set the bar that man set the bar in Finland yeah. and you look at Luke, uh, Lukas Rokanen who mm. uh, just came over here for the USDGC throws identical to yeah. Seppo and that dude his nose angle control his it's, wing it's angle brilliant. control Speed control, yeah, that dude shapes a disc better than anyone I've ever seen. I'm glad that you said that. Because... One of the, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, you go. One of the the reasons I love playing disc golf, and I think you as well, is we just love watching discs fly. Like a good shot in disc golf is akin to like hitting a 300 yard golf golf ball on shot. a rope, yeah, yeah, onto the green. You know, like it just feels good. It doesn't matter if I throw it or if a buddy or if an opponent throws it, competitor throws it. Seppo is just one of the greatest to ever do it. And every time I've I've only played with him a couple times, but even watching him on video it's just like it's beautiful yeah and uh, garrett girthy as well like yeah i don't fan I, i'm at the point where i don't fanboy over a lot of people but every time i play with girthy and he throws one of those shots I, I just get a big old smile on my face i'm just like how yeah i just watched him throw a 530 foot stall shot over the water on a uh, whole five us did you see yeah winthrop yeah he uh, went out of bounds off the tee and then got over the water in two shots mm-hmm. and almost birdied the hole he's it's just it's cool he to watch. He does things that I can't even yeah. fathom. Yeah. And amazing. most people, though, like you see most people throw and you're like, oh, yeah, I, I, I could match that line. No. There's only a, yeah, there's only a <laughs> yeah. few people in this world where I can say that. Mm-hmm. With five tries, I can't make that thing do that thing. <laughs> yeah. And Garrett's one of them for yeah. sure. 
So then I guess what's next for you, man? Like what, like what, what, uh, life goals, disc golf goals, like what do you have to say to the people moving forward? Yeah, I think, uh, next year is going to be a fun one. I'll say that right now. I'm talking to my current sponsors right now, and I think next year is going to be a pretty exciting year for, for Channel. A lot of changes are going to happen. I'm going to try to upgrade my, my living situation. I'm currently traveling in a Prius. I'm doing the Airbnb hotel life. So I'm going to try to do the Brian, Brian Earhart van life. Um, I'm going to try to outfit a van this uh, off-season with my dad. He's an so excellent woodworker, so that'll be fun. Um, and try to live a, a more comfortable life on the road next year. Not as far as like financially, just being mm-hmm. able to do what I want, be where I want to be, explore where I want to explore. And focus. Yeah, and focus. I think a lot of my issues this year, a lot of my poor performances were just uh, most, mostly just being in situations I didn't really want to be in as far as who I was staying with or where I was mm-hmm. and not being able to do what I wanted to do. Exactly. So I think having that freedom will be a pretty huge benefit to me next year. Yeah, I, I am incredibly excited for the future. I think I have a few more good years in me, a few more good oh, yeah. finishes. Um, I'm hoping to do something pretty crazy at USCGC because I, I played horrible this year. But in every single one of my rounds, there was something that happened that was just like, oh my gosh, I've never done, that. I've never done that before, and I'm a, this is amazing. You yeah. know? So I'm hoping to build up on those things that I, that I found out. I won't, I won't tell you what they are. Yeah, too. yeah, I got you. Don't jinx them. Yeah. Don't jinx them. But uh, yeah, I think next year is going to be a good year for me. And uh, I just can't wait to get going. And I, I got I got to give a shout out to Package Express Disc Golf. They have helped me out every week. Essentially, they've been uh, either through like communication, talking to me, supporting me, or financially, they've been helping me out. Um, Discraft Disc Golf, the best disc in disc golf. You can probably agree with that. I I mean I've been throwing them for 15 years. Yeah, get a buzz, get a force, get get a nuke, <laughs> whale sacks, Tina and Eric Oakley. I love them. You got a lot of a lot of people in your corner, man. Yeah, stoked for you. Yeah, and support this podcast. Thank you, brother. Yeah. I appreciate that. Good luck this week. Let's hey. let's do it. Let's let's end with a bang. Thirty grand in the pocket. Let's go. All right. All right. Love you, dude. Thanks again for listening, guys. Have a good day. The Flight Diary is edited by Nick Soave. Music by Johnny Darch. The 2021 Disc Golf Pro Tour is officially over, which means the off season has arrived. And for me, that means a few different things this year. As some of you already know from my recent Instagram post, I am no longer competing in the sport of disc golf for the foreseeable future. I am shifting my focus from here on out into the world of disc golf media and coaching. And with that comes a greater focus on my podcasts, including The Flight Diary. Um, I'm so excited to bring more of these episodes to you. Thank you all so much for your support. Without that, I would not even be thinking about doing this as a career. And I'm so excited to bring more of this content to you. Thank you, and we will see you next time.